Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Corinthians 5. Imagine that a celebrity starts coming to your church. And this celebrity who's influential in uh, your culture or maybe in your city, uh, they make a profession of faith in Christ. And it's a big deal. Um, And and as things go forward, right, there's an excitement. Well, look at what God is doing. It becomes clear that there is still some very clear sin in this person's life, or maybe they've gone in back into some sin, but they still are attending your church. What should the church do about it? Should you address the, the sin that's clear in this person's life? Or should you say, well, hey, this person, look at all the attention our church has got because this person has come here. So, hey, you know, God loves sinners too. And this person, they're still sinning. So everything's okay. Um, But we're happy that they're a part of our church. Which way should you go? Now, maybe that brings up some images of things you may hear about in headlines or online today. But we see a real life example of that in 1 Corinthians 5, where we see in this passage, when we think back to a passage like Matthew 18, where we talked about the process of church discipline. Now in 1 Corinthians 5, we see a time where now that's being put to practice, or at least Paul is instructing them to put it into practice because there is a member in the church there that is in clear sexual sin. And Paul is calling the church to do something about it. And that's really the next issue that we get to in the book of First Corinthians. We spent really the first four chapters talking about the issue of division in the church. Now we'll move to this issue of sin in the church. It says in verse one, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife. So there we see there is a clear issue and and we see it's a clear sin. It is a known sin and it's something even that the world would say, no, you should not do that. And what was the church's response? Verse two, and you are arrogant. That uh, they, they are actually seemingly proud of this fact. Now, was this person a celebrity? We, we don't know what was what were the details behind this person and why this person was not dealt with in the church. And it says, Paul says in verse two, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. So he's saying you need to remove this person who is in clear, open, unrepentant sin. You you need to remove this person from among you. And he describes it uh, with some different words in verse five, where it says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of of the Lord. So some very strong language there uh, to describe what they should do about this individual. 
Now, I think the the phrasing there, what, what does he mean by um, deliver this man to Satan? I think it means to excommunicate this person from the church. They're no longer a part of uh, the visible kingdom of God there in the local church. Now they're delivered over to the realm of Satan, the world. And that's going to involve destruction of the flesh. There will be some kind of judgment from God on him, as we'll see later in 1 Corinthians. Someone could even die as divine punishment for their sin. But the hope is, and this is something that's very clear, the hope is that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And that's where even if you go back to Matthew 18, the goal is to win your brother. And what we'll see in 2 Corinthians, I think the best way to understand what we'll see there is it seems that this person eventually does repent and Paul later will call on them to restore this person. So the goal hopefully is Uh, We want this person to repent and even handing them over to the world is more likely to produce that result than allowing them to remain within the church. But they, again, were boasting about this. And it says, your boasting is not good. Uh, And he uses then this illustration of leaven and bread and the feast of the Passover, He talks about a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So you need to cleanse out the old leaven that you may a new lump. And then it connects it to the Passover for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So not just connecting it to the Passover, but following the Passover, there was the feast of unleavened bread where they could not eat anything with leaven in it. They had even removed that from the places where their food would be uh, a very serious thing. And he's saying that that's a picture of how we should treat sin in the church. And then he closes with a with a reminder and a warning against over-applying what he is talking about here, because he makes clear you need to take this kind of vigilance within the church and with those that are claiming to follow Christ, uh, not as much with those in the world. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So here he seems to be referring to a previous letter he's written to the Corinthians, but he's clarifying, I'm not saying all the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of this world. So the Bible is not calling for Christians to all become monks and separate from every uh, ungodly person that you might come across. No, you would have to go out of this world. And Paul is reminding us that is not possible, nor is that what God is calling people to. But he makes it very clear in verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexually of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So there it's even a reminder, hey, those ungodly people that you may have to go to work with or you may have to run a business right next door to their business or you might have to live next to, God's going to judge those people. You don't need to concern yourself with that. But as Christians, we need to concern ourselves with uh, the behavior in the church and among those who use the name of brother. So we see some 
applications of biblical truth. Again, church discipline is something that is talked about, but here in 1 Corinthians, we get probably the most specific example we get of that in the scriptures, where there is clear, open, unrepentant sin, and that needs to be dealt with. That person needs to be removed from the church, again, with the goal that this person may hopefully be saved in the end, the goal of winning uh, the brother. But then we see the principle at the end, no, we need to not take this attitude towards everyone in the world and all those that do not claim Christ, because then we'd have to go out of the world. So as we think through this passage, what are some practical applications? And one I would say is start by examining yourself. And you think of that truth in verse eight, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So start by praying for yourself. Is there any leaven in your life? And how do you need to deal with that? Even being reminded that if you allow impurity in your own life, that is going to affect the believers around you. So that's one reason why you should start by being very vigilant about yourself and don't believe the lie that if there's some sin or impurity in your life, well, it's only affecting me. That, as we see in this passage, is clearly not true. So start by examining yourself. Second, I would encourage you to examine your associations. Are there people that you are associating with life that name the name of Christ that are clearly living a life of, let's just look at the list again, sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, reviling, drunkenness, swindling. Are those the people that you are associating with? People that name the name of Christ, but are clearly, openly, unrepentantly engaging in these things. And that's where I think some of these associations may go beyond your local church, especially in our culture, where uh, there's a much more of a Christian influence than there would have been in the city of Corinth. Are you uh, hanging out and spending your time with people who name the name of Christ and call themselves Christians, but are clearly living a different way? Uh, That's where that may not even just be a a church thing, because they may not even attend your church, but if they're naming the name of brother uh, and living this way, yeah, that those are the kind of people you most should avoid in this life. And, and the third thing I would encourage you to do is to pray for the purity of your church. Pray for the purity of your church. Again, that starts with you. You want to pray for others in your congregation. Uh, Just pray that God is sanctifying your congregation. Pray for the leaders of your church, because when a situation like this arises, they're the ones that are going to have to uh, take the lead, and that's going to take courage to do. There's also a lot of wisdom that is needed in situations like this. And also uh, pray that if there is sin in your congregation, God would expose that sin. You can't really deal with some of these issues if you don't know about them. And some of these sins live in the secret. So pray that God would expose those sins. And again, not for the ultimate goal of, well, let's get all those sinners out of the church, but that we may win our brother. And that even those who would have to be disciplined out of a church would one day be restored in repentance 
and renewed in their fellowship with believers and uh, really in their walk with God. So examine yourself, examine your associations, and pray for the purity of your local church. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.